Any happy dads out there this morning? Anybody glad to be honoring dads today? Very good. All right, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 this morning, the book of Genesis and the third chapter this morning. And I want to talk to you a little bit about fathers. Our theme for the service today is champion. And our dads are champions. Do you believe that? We're going to start reading in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman who, put, who you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree. And I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the serpent said, You deceived me, and I ate. If there's one thing I want you to know about me this morning, it is that I am a champion. Every night I put my son to bed, most nights I try to, at least if I'm home, I'll normally try and put my son to bed. And whenever I put him to bed, he's a lot easier than his sister because he's a morning person which means he's not so fun to be around at 5.45 in the morning, when without any fader button, normally about then, my son will walk into my room, stand on my side of the bed, breathe a couple of times, and then announce, Hi, Dad! But it's easy to put to bed, my son, because you walk into his room, you grab him, you put him into his bed, he's normally okay with it, he'll just want to know where Boy is. Boy is not him. Boy is the name that a four-year-old gives to a cat. Then we have to search for boy, find him wherever he is in the house, and put him on the rug at the end of Will's bed. Once this is complete, it's almost guaranteed that he's going to go off to sleep straight away. Once I've got him into his bed, boy on the end of his bed, make sure he's brushed his teeth so it doesn't look like a feral monkey, put him into his bed, grab him, he's already down there, and then I pray for him. I pray over his life. It's always a great joy. Whenever I pray for Will, I pray the same prayer. I say, Father, I thank you for Will. I thank you that you love him. I thank you that you've made him to be a conqueror and a defender of the faith. I thank you that you've called him to be strong and courageous. And then as I finish out the prayer, I'll always say, I thank you that you've made him to be a champion. Will's heard the prayer so many times now that often he repeats the key words out loud with me. I thought it would be more, you know, spiritual to have a different prayer for my children every night. But then I realized that if I could say the same words, that they would start to learn them. So he'll often say, as I'm praying the prayer, I oh, thank you that you called him to be a, and he'll say conqueror and a defender of the faith. Because that's what the, the name Will means, to be a conqueror or a defender. And then I say strong, and he'll always say, and courageous. If you want him to summon my son, 
There are a bunch of names that you can summon him by. The first and most common one being Will Will. In fact, most of the kids in Dynamite call my son Will Will at his kindy. They call him Will Will. And the reason why is that when he introduces himself, he never says his name is Will. He says, my name is Will Will, because that's what his sister calls him. He'll respond to bro, because he's a good Kiwi kid. In fact, last night he called me bro. We're out to an early Father's Day dinner at Denny's because it's a family restaurant. We're hanging out having dinner and he went, hey, bro, and then cracked up laughing that he called me bro. I called you bro. He'll respond to dude. He'll respond to a whole lot of things, other names. He'll respond to, you know, uh, he'll respond to Smackdown King. Say, Smackdown King. He knows that's his name because we play a game at our house every single night called Smackdown. My kids demanded of me the moment I walk in the door of our house. The only thing I try and do is get off my good shirt before it becomes my bad shirt before the game commences because this game has given me two swollen eyes, two inflamed noses. It's given me multiple cuts to the face. Needless to say, other organs in the body have been damaged in the process. Fortunately, I already have two children. <laughs> this game is a violent game, so he responds always to Smackdown King. His new name, I don't know how it happened, is G-Unit. He'll respond to G-Unit. <laughs> he just became G-Unit. It happened about 18 months ago, but now if you walk in, go, G-Unit. In fact, I picked him up from kidney this week, and the teacher dismissed him from the mat, and I went, G-Unit. And all the mums and dads are looking at me like, his name is Will. To me, his name is G-Unit. But one of the names that Will will always respond to is Champion. I knew that I wanted this to be something that he could associate with, something that he would define himself with. I wanted him to get into his little kid brain from an early age that he is a champion. Because the way he sees himself it's going to determine the way that he enters through life. It's going to be his lens, his filter, that shapes his perspective, his paradigm, his drive forward. And I wanted my son to know that he's not a, he's not a failure, he's not weak, he's not inadequate, that he's not a nobody, but he was put on this planet by a God who destined success for him in life and that he is champion. This is something that God wants every dad to know, that they are not called to be a failure. They weren't put on this planet to kind of just get by, but that God destined that every dad would be a champion. Just recently, uh, I was hanging out with Will one day, and I said to him, I said, son, you are so special. And he said to me, no, I'm not. And then he ran off. I was kind of left with this feeling in my gut, like this is not good that my son has got a poor self-image. Where did this creep in that he's not special? A couple of days later, I said to him again, I said, son, you are special. And he said to me, no, I'm not. And I didn't get the opportunity to follow up that conversation either. And so that night when I was putting him to bed, I said, son, you need to know that you are so special. And I said to him, and he says, no, I'm not. And I said, son, this is not right. You need to know that you're special. God's called you to be special. You're, you're a special kid. You need to stop saying that you're not special. He said to me, I'm not special. I'm brave. 
See, in his little kid mind, he couldn't be both at the same time. He, he thinks, I'm either one or I'm the other, but I, I cannot be both at the same time. You can't be special and brave. And the truth is that no matter what makes up fathers that are in this room, whether your defining attribute is your creativity, whether, whether it's your administration skills, whether, it's your, whether it is your physical strength, whether it's your success at work, no matter what there is, maybe you're visionary, maybe you're relational, maybe you're enthusiastic, but one of the words God wants you to associate with your fatherhood is that you are a champion. See, this is an amazing passage of Scripture that we read out of today, and I've toyed with so many passages that I've put this message together, but I keep coming back to this one passage because in this passage of Scripture, we see where the fundamental problem for every dad kicks in. Because we have the fall of man, and at the fall of man is the entrance of shame. And the first man to ever hide from God is found in Adam. And shame and blame became the name of our game at the fall of Adam and Eve. When Adam first hid from God in shame and then blamed his wife for the problem that he was in. And ever since, men have had two problems. Our shame problem and our blame problem. And here we find Adam is hiding from God because he feels like he is inadequate. Like he's messed it up like he's blowing it. And the problem with dads today is that as a dad, it's easy to live in shame. It really is. It's easy to have a whole lot of pressure coming out of dad because people in our community, in fact, even when you, you know, when you come to Mother's Day, you kind of stand on stage and everybody's like, it's Mother's Day. Every mom, you know, we're going to give you flowers. You're amazing. But you know what? It's not just Mother's Day. You go to a mom's conference. I mean, a woman's conference. Dear Lord, I don't know if I'd ever attend a mum's conference. My wife makes me attend the women's conference. That's a lot of estrogen in one building. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Yeah! At least at a men's conference, the congregational singing is awesome. I exalt thee. But, you know, women's conferences are kind of the same as Mother's Day. Because you go there and it's, you know, it's a lot of you're special, you're beautiful, and God loves you, you're his princess. And every woman in the building is feeling like, I'm so awesome. But, you know, honestly, the reason why we started a men's conference this year, we're having a men's retreat, was because I got so frustrated going to men's conferences. Because you kind of walk in, it's like you don't do enough, you're not good enough, and you haven't got enough. And in this world, dads and men in general cup a lot of flat because it can be a general message that sounds something like, you don't do enough, you're not around enough, you're too harsh, and these kind of messages come at dads and put us in a box. Now, the problem with that is you've got to combine it with the state of what a man is like. We know that as men, we have a shame and blame problem. But add into the mix the added reality that we're good at accepting responsibility. So when someone comes to us and says, hey, you know, the problem with you is that you're not around enough. Then as a man, you're like, yeah, I'm not around enough. I mean, I slept three hours last night. If I had only slept two, I could have got some quality time with the children. So I'm just, I'm not around enough. I took three hours for sleep. You know, you're not involved enough. 
And then we're kind of like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I, only, I only made 24 toys last weekend. If I had made 30, you know, I, I only juggled 14 kids' parties on Saturday. Come on, someday tell me what I'm talking about today. You know, if I had just gone to a few more, then I'd be around enough, you know, and then you're too harsh. Well, yeah, that's right. I, I did tell him off because he was beating up his sister. I mean, sure, she was turning blue. Oxygen was deprived. She kind of looked just relieved that she was beginning to breathe again, but I probably was too harsh. And as men, we don't kind of fight back at the problem. We kind of just take it all on, like, hit me again, Johnny. And men, it's so easy for us to get into this state like we find Adam in this state feeling. And dads, in Father's Day, it can feel a lot like that like I haven't done enough and I'm not worthy enough. But if there's one thing that God wants every dad in this room to know, it is that you are a champion. Can I get some praise for some dads in this place? You are a champion. Hell will never be satisfied. It never will. The Bible says that hell has enlarged its appetite without limit. It was our Jesus on the cross who said it's finished. In other words, God is the God of you've done enough. And the devil is the one who speaks the voice of you're not good enough. And God's looking for some men to understand this morning. No, not just, you know, a pastor, not just somebody else, not just a dad who gets a microphone and gets to highlight their good points, but you are champion. It struck me as I was preparing this message that our God is a father. Wow, when I realized that, something happened. Because I realized that the same three accusations people say about dads, they say about God. You're not involved enough. I mean, if you're really a God of love, then why are there starving people in this world? And we know that's not God's problem, that's a man problem. When we want to find out what God wanted the lives of people to look like, look at the Garden of Eden where there was an abundance of produce and wealth and prosperity and peace and tranquility and harmony. But then we find that sin entered into this world, but people blame this on their heavenly father. You're not involved enough. You're not around enough. You don't answer me when I pray. You're not there for me when I need you. Not knowing that God can't transport you necessarily out of the storms of your life. But he did say that I would be with you in the hard times of your life. And people try to make our God sound too harsh. Because why would a good God not let me get into heaven? Not realizing so great is this God's love that he sent his son Jesus to die in the place of our own wrongdoing. So that no matter how guilty we are, we can be forgiven of our sin. Come on, let's give that Lord some praise today. We really should. What He's done for us in our lives. Not only that, but He doesn't want good people messing heaven up. I've met very few, very few people in my life who've ever said, I am a bad person. And normally they're actually all right people. But good people are people who are good, but they aren't good enough. And God doesn't want heaven to be a replicate of earth filled with duplicity and false intentions and you know, our ability to be good one moment and totally bad the next. He wants heaven to be a perfect place. And so we send a perfect sacrifice for every imperfect person in this room so that imperfection can be replaced by the perfection of our Jesus who already paid the price for our wrongdoing so that we could enter into eternity forgiven and whole 
and perfect and blameless and not stuff up the next world like we stuffed up this one. And that kind of God is amazing. Yet the same three accusations that are brought against earthly fathers are brought against our heavenly father. But what I like about our heavenly I mean, I like everything. But what I am so encouraged by for every dad in this room this morning is that our heavenly father doesn't take on board what people say about him. See, if there's one message, I think we've got to get straight into our heads this morning, church, about dads and about being a champion. It is that our heavenly father, he is what people say, but he is just constant in who he is. He doesn't kind of accept it, doesn't take it on board, doesn't feel less about himself, but our heavenly father just keeps living out of the image that he has of who he is, and that's why every dad in this room needs to start their journey towards being the dad they want to be, knowing who they already are. See, if you're trying to work to get there, you're living out of the wrong image. If you're trying to perform to get there, you're living out of the wrong image. If you're trying to improve to get there, you're living out of the wrong image. You are a champion. God called you to be a champion. He put a champion spirit on the inside of you, destined you to be a champion, set you apart to be a champion. And it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It matters what God has intended for you. Like I pray over my son. God's praying over you tonight and this morning. And he's saying, you, dad, you, man, you, father, you are a champion. See, there's three things I think we need to bring back about dads. The first one is we need to bring back the image of a champion. We've got to get an image of a champion, don't we? We're going to get this thing alive on the inside of us, that fathers are champions. Come on, say it with me today. Fathers are a champion. A champion is someone who takes a stand. I'm taking a stand. No, I'm not letting that come into my world. Not letting that come into my family. Not letting that come into my environment. A dad is a champion. He's someone who takes a stand. It's someone who, who refuses to bow. That's a champion. One bow to compromise. I began to think about all the ways that my father has encouraged me. I don't want to talk to you about him in the sermon, but about just the fact that he says, you know, I'm not going to let my integrity be breached. That's kind of something that we're not talking about enough today. About just that willingness to say, I've got a moral backbone. I, w- I won't bow. A champion is someone who says, I'm not going to give in to adversity, to pressure, to intimidation. A champion is someone who blazes a trail, someone who overcomes. Someone who overcomes. The greatest stories in life are not of those who end up with the most wealth at the end of life or end up in the most, you know, kind of prosperous environment at the end of life. The greatest movies are not about those stories. The greatest stories in life are of those who overcame the most, who displayed a heroic life, who experienced setbacks and bounce back, who didn't let some kind of problem in their life define them. That's what it means to be a champion. A champion is someone that others can look up to. And this is what it means to be a father. A champion. Somebody that can be emulated. Champions come in all types, all types of shapes and sizes. 
Again, you know, we tend to think Captain, that, that uh, our, our image of a champion should be Captain America. I tend to think of Captain America pre the medication or whatever it was they did to him. If you've seen the movie, if you haven't, save yourself $13. I love America, but I don't like the movie. But, you know, we tend to think it's about, you know, this kind of testosterone kind of, you know, I think some of the Springboks are coming to church tonight. And we tend to think that, you know, unless you look like, look like Serge Lilo or one of, the, one of the Springboks, that somehow you're not really a champion. Certainly when I go to the gym with Serge, people look at me a little strangely. What is that little white guy doing with that strong, muscular, full-time rugby player? But you know what? I don't need to worry about it because I am... A champion. And champions come in all types of shapes and sizes. Can, can, any weedy, can any weedy small people just get with me today and say, I got your back. Come on. Come on, Ben. I got, you got, we got each other's back, man. We got each other's back. For all the weedy dads in the room, you're a champion. It's not about size. It's about density. To be a champion looks different in different environments. I, I love my dad. I, I called him this morning. I, I sang to him Happy Father's Day with the kids in the car. Got a little bit out of harmony when I sang Dad and they sang Pop. But it was a cool moment. And my dad and I have a great relationship. We always have, you know. But, but you know, my dad, I, I'm, most of my early Saturday morning memories are of going to work with Dad. Dad used to build roads, you know, to be a roading contractor. And so on Saturdays, whenever there'd been a big storm overnight, two things would happen. Soccer would be canceled the next morning or whatever activity we had on would be canceled the next morning. And we would go to work with dad to see how much of the highway he's just been building just got washed away overnight. So I'd be, you know, up in Albany, you know, from where they extended the, the motorway from Glenfield all the way through to Albany. Or, you know, he built the road up the top of the Mamaku Ranges on the other end of Auckland, State Highway 27, the Piha Road. These are where my early childhood memories are based of going to work with my dad. And we'd have piles of what, you know, we call it gravel, but he called it scoria. And it was very important that you didn't call it gravel because it's not gravel, it's scoria. And it's for a purpose, but I just called it gravel. But anyway, it was scoria. And, you know, going to work with my dad. And, you know, my dad and I, we're very different people. I mean, I'm his son. And we have similarities. My dad loves technology. I love technology. My dad loves to tell stories. I like to tell stories. But my dad and I are different. I mean, I, I, I'm just a leader's leader. That's just my natural tendency in life is to always want to be the leader. I only ever played one season of soccer in my life. This will encourage you, Ben. Because I started the, the, the season of soccer when I was about six or seven years old, and we lost every game. But the problem was that meant that I drove away from the game angry every Saturday. This team is useless. They're not working hard enough. They need a, these backs are letting the ball forward. What's wrong with our goalkeeper? Our strikers are going to be more ambitious. I remember being on the field yelling like a crazy person, come on! I think at the end of the season, my dad is like, I've had enough of this kid. He told me I needed the same amount of discipline as the other three, three children in our family combined. And by the way, discipline looked like Winnie the Whale in my generation. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's why cycling on road cycling is fine for me. These are 
firm, well seasoned. Yeah, there were seasons in our, in our relationship where we were just so different and would come at things so differently. But as I grow older, my dad and I, we've always had this great relationship, but I begin to realize something about my dad. I begin to realize that all of my memories in my life, the first thing I've known about my dad, whether he was reading it or not, the first time I ever saw him in the day, his Bible would be open and right next to him. I remember the fact about my dad that he always went to church every morning and every evening as long as I know him. He's now into his mid to late 60s, and he sometimes skips the odd night service. This is just my dad. He's always been like that. I've never heard him be negative ever in his life. Once, not once. Never been negative. And I realize that heroes come in shapes and sizes. My dad's never been a pastor. He's never stood onto a pulpit. But you get him one-on-one with some man, and he's going to just try and sow seed into his life and bless him and encourage him. So a hero doesn't have to look the same. A hero doesn't have a yardstick that's one person to the next. A champion isn't just a flat tear. But a champion is something that is an identity that every man in this room needs to live out of. We need to restore the image of a champion. Can I get some praise for God in this place? It's champions. Champions are people who have integrity. Champions are people who act fairly. Champions are people who are generous. Champions are people who are encouraging. If you want an image of a champion, look at our Father in heaven. Because he's generous, and he has integrity, and he's, and he's encouraging, and he's fair, and he's gracious, and he's compassionate. And these are attributes of a dad, and they're attributes of a champion. The second thing that we need to bring back is we need to bring back the vision for a champion. We need some men in this room believe in God that they can be a champion. Not just the current dads, but the future dads. We need a champion spirit to begin to emerge in men in this generation. Oh, I began to think about dads who were champions in the Bible. Noah, Noah, he doesn't get enough cred, Noah. He got his sons on board with a vision to build an ark that took them 400 years. Pause for dramatic effect. That's a hero who can inspire that kind of vision and that kind of followership in his kids. We need a vision for some dads who can inspire vision and the kids who come after them. We need a vision for some dads like Abraham who put his son Isaac on the altar. But what we could take it off is a vision of heroic sacrifice. A dad who says, my life is not about me. It's about a vision for something bigger than me. This family exists for a greater purpose than itself. And some dads in this room are being champions without even knowing it by just displaying that kind of sacrifice. I think about David, who set up his son for success. He just said, I'm going to make allocation for you. I'm going to build up the wealth so that even though I can't build the temple, Solomon, who comes after me, he's going to build the temple. I'm going to make sure that when my dreams finish, my kids' dreams begin. That's a champion. I think about migrant families that make up our church. Some of them, because of economic hardship in the country of their origin, leave wealth. My grandparents left everything they had behind in Kenya and moved to New Zealand in 1967, and that was 
champion spirit in my Scottish grandfather who said it may be a setback for me, but it's going to be a build-up for the generations that are to come. And that kind of spirit, that kind of vision is what it means to be a champion. It's, it's heroism. It's a champion spirit. What would the world be without an ark? What would, what would the world be if Isaac had availed on Abraham's vision? What would the world be like if Solomon had never built a temple? And God wants some dads in this room and some men in this room to understand and to grab the vision of a champion. You're a champion when you live for something greater than you. You're a champion when you sow seeds. My daughter, Lara is the greatest negotiator I have ever met in my life. If I had 10 people with the determination to win in conversation and discussion that my daughter has, we would change the world. I mean, last night I said to her, I said, Larry, it's time to go to bed. She said, can I watch a DVD in bed? I said, no. She said, all right, can I watch an episode in bed? I said, no. She comes back five minutes later and she says, Dad, how about we put the DVD player on and then when you want to stop, you come in and turn it off. <laughs> this is just one negotiation to get the kid into a bed to go to sleep. My dad would have just pulled out Winnie the Whale to get to bed. <laughs> when I think about when I think about her tenacity, when I think about that kind of drive, I, I think about it, I, I just love it. I mean, sometimes I hate it, let's be honest. But most of the time, that tenacity and that vision is something that I so admire in her life. But when I think about it, you know, last night I, I put her into a bed finally after this big negotiation, and I got her into a bed, and, you know, she gets into a bed, and then she says, Daddy, can I have a two-minute sleep cuddle? Now, what that means like for my daughter is that you lie down next to her for two minutes while she starts to go off to sleep, which not normally for Lara takes about an hour for her to fall asleep. I'm not even kidding. You come back in. In fact, we had the, uh, some bunch of pastors from the church around our place on Monday night. Half past nine, she just walks down and walks into the room. She'd been in bed, but she'd been awake the entire time. This is what my daughter is like. And so I lie down beside her for two minutes, and I pray for her, give her her prayer. Her name means famous one, so I'm declaring this over her life. I thank you that she's your princess. I always pray that she'd give her a submissive spirit like Esther, that she'd hear God's word. By the way, that's not a gender thing. For my daughter, if she doesn't submit to God, whoa, look out world. And so I, want, I wanted to make sure that I make sure I declare that over her life every day. You know, come on, anyone with a strong will kid knows what I'm talking about right now. I'm just speaking that over her. Submissive spirit like Esther, in Jesus' name. Double prayer, submissive spirit like Esther. Gets to the end of the prayer, and she's just kind of sitting there. She's just kind of, you know, happy that her dad is next to her. And I said to her, Lara, you are so special. She says, I don't. You're so beautiful. I know. She's got no self-esteem issues. And I said to her, Lara, you're going to do something very special for God one day. God's put his hand upon your life. I said to her, you need to follow him always, my sweetheart. Listen to what he says to you in here. Dream a big dream for God. Everything that you thought about in your life, God's got something bigger that you're going to do with your tomorrows. 
And it was just the most awesome moment with a father and his daughter. And it made me realize that all the time, little seeds get sown and little words are spoken and little things happen. And it's easy for my life, my assessment of me to be about how often I'm present, what I've got involved and whether I'm the father of discipline or the father of encouragement. But I reckon every dad in this room just needs a vision back into their spirit again. That all those little seeds, all those little moments, who knows what's going to happen? Because Isaac did follow in his father's vision. And Noah's sons did help him build the ark. And Solomon did build the temple. And all of those seeds and all of those words and all of that encouragement and all of that belief is one day going to inspire something in a next generation that's going to exceed the generation that went before it. And maybe what we need is just a vision of a champion father living in our hearts and in our spirits believing for dads to go further and higher. Can the band come up and join me? The third thing that we need is we need a mandate for champions. We need an image of a champion. We need the vision of a champion. And we need a mandate in our generation for some champions. We need some champions in this room to begin to realize that it's a mandated call of God that you would be the champion dad that God wants you to be, that you wouldn't feel a sense of kind of, you know, uh, optional about it. You wouldn't feel a sense of, we need, we need some fathers. If there's ever a generation that needed some fathers, it's this generation. By the way, God's going to inspire in this room this morning some Mordecai fathers. Mordecai was just Esther's cousin, but he raised her like his daughter. He took her into her home, his home. He, he spoke guidance and destiny into her life. He was there for her in key decision-making moments, inspired greatness in her spirit. And Esther changed the world. And some dad in this room, some man in this room is going to get a Mordecai spirit to just say being a father and being a man. It's not something of disdain and it's not something that I'm failing in, but I'm a champion and I'm mandated by God to do it. I got to rise up in the spirit and be the champion that God wants me to be. My, my Bible hero when it comes to fatherhood is Joseph. The supposed father of Jesus. I love Joseph because he wasn't actually Jesus' dad. And if you read the story carefully, he finds out that his fiance is pregnant. Okay, just put yourself in the story right now. And he knows that he's kept this relationship pure. So you can imagine the internal conflict. But along comes an angel, and the angel says, it's your moment. You've got to raise this kid. You've got to look after this wife. For Joseph, accepting Jesus meant tremendous hardship. When any man finds out he's going to be a father, it's exhilarating, but it's also scary. Because you're like, my Lord, this kid's got to eat. It's got to go to school. <laughs> it's got afternoon activities. Man, I'm not perfect. But Joseph, he just accepted this responsibility, even though it meant all that it meant. He said, I will father this kid. And as a result of it, God's gift 
came into this world. The kids you're raising obviously are not saviors. But they all have a little bit of God on the inside of them. And they're all God's gift to the world. And when any father chooses to raise their kid like it's God's gift, like it's going to be God's gift to the world, that kid will bring change, inspire something. And I reckon what we need is some mandated fathers who are saying, this is my call and this is my destiny. I am a champion. I'm not inadequate. I'm not stuffing this up. I am there enough. The kid did need discipline within boundary. Come on. God wants some fathers in this room to feel that spirit. In fact, I would love to believe that this message today would not just be for those who are fathers or grandfathers in this room, but some men in this room who one day will be fathers would capture a vision this Father's Day that I will be a champion father. I'm going to change the world just through my parenting alone. That's what I'm going to accomplish. That's a huge thing. And God wants that spirit to be in every dad.